It's so awesome. And I bet you that's one take for him. It's pure metal. All right. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's pure metal. <laughs> it's great. And you know he grabbed his own nuts when he did it. <laughs> <laughs> This is the Epic New Podcast. Two idiots and a list. Where you're going to get two idiots and a list. And now, coming to you live from Circle Avenue Studios, your hosts, Nick Vasolo and Kirik McMillan. Hey, welcome to another episode of Two Idiots and a List. I'm here with a man whose legs only go so far and then make a complete ass out of themselves. <laughs> Let's get fucking started with this right now. This is the holiday show. We're having fun here. That's this is right. fun. Okay, we're here to celebrate this music tonight. Not slam on it? We're here to celebrate in any way you feel that it's a celebratory fashion. All right. But we're celebrating. Okay. Because these guys had a rough go. I mean, you know, they gave us a lot. They did. They gave us a lot. <laughs> they did. In our formative years. So today, what we're decided to do on our holiday special is bring you something, your, your, our faithful audience, a little special treat. And we are going to attempt to create the Monsters of Rock show. <laughs> Remember those? <laughs> and bring together a set list of the perfect hair metal band songs. And what are we calling it, Kirk? Harry Christmas! All right, so what is hair metal? Yeah. This is something that I think I asked myself coming into this. I'm assuming you did the same thing. Yes. As I look at it, hair metal, you take 70s heavy metal and hard rock and you stick it in a blender with catchy pop riffs. A lot of makeup. 30 pounds of makeup. Yeah. Some spandex. And you fold in like multi-octave vocals that are on the edge of the singer's range. And I think you kind of have hair metal. Yeah. Definitely, right? There are predecessors to this whole movement. Sure. Interesting. I Hair metal was never used as a descriptor until after. Until after in the 90s. You don't find hair metal to come into like a usage, and it's disparaging usage, until like the grunge movement had fully gotten underway. And most of the references I saw before that called it glam metal. That's right. It's, it's glam metal. There's, there's hard rock. And then there's this hair metal thing that, that gets, you know, monikered in, in the 90s. And, you know, it was kind of like an attack. It's the industry attacking itself. Like, we're done with these fucking guys. I read many interviews with, with producers, and it's like, if you worked with any one of those bands in the 80s, nobody in the 90s would work with you. It's just you had this stink on you of like, no, we're done with all of that. And that was an inside baseball kind of industry thing that was happening, but like... You know, the, the hair metal thing was definitely a disparaging comment like the media used. Like, yeah, we're going to kill this fucking, we're going to strangle them in their crib. We're done with them. It happened almost instantly, right? You look at when Nevermind got released in 91, hair metal was, for the most part, done. 
Like it kind of drove off the cliff. Everybody was finished with it. So I have here, here lies hair metal. It was born on January 17th, 1981, with the release of Too Fast for Love, Motley Crue. Motley Crue's first album. We're going to give it to them. That's when it's born. It died on September 10th, 1991. That was the release date of Nevermind. Right. Its high point is July 27th of 1987. That's the high watermark of if hair metal. Now, these two bands both released albums on the same two days, that two-day span. Appetite for Destruction and Hysteria were released 27 and 28. That's the high point. Now, those were not hair metal bands, not as far as I define them. And that, that's some, I'm glad you brought that up, because yeah. on a lot of these lists that I saw, right. whether it was Spotify, whether it was just Googling hair metal bands, right. Guns N' Roses came up quite a bit. So did Leopard. And I never thought of these, and we'll get to Leopard, but I never thought of Guns N' Roses as a hair metal band. Now, no. I could see how if you weren't at our age at that time, you might go back and listen to it and say, well, what was the difference? There was a distinct difference. There's a difference. I would argue that Def Leppard has dabbled in the area of hair metal in their career. They were certainly, you know, big with the ballads. Yep. And hair metal has also been called poodle metal for the same reason. 100%. Is, is Def Leppard a hair metal band? I think you can litigate that. In the same way that Van Halen is. Because David Lee Roth was definitely glammed up, you know, and the boys were definitely, especially the Hagar boys, they were down for their ballads too. What I would argue with you and Van Halen and Leopard, those two bands, those guys set like the template. What I said before was like Appetite and Hysteria were the high watermark, but they weren't hair metal bands, but they gave the industry, they gave that genre adjacent enough rocket fuel to like, oh shit, we need to... Where's the other band that's going to give us our hysteria? Where's the other appetite out there? Which band is around here on the strip that can do that? And that's what just fueled that glam metal, hair metal more. Looking for the next, where's our next 5150 coming from? Sure. And that's when you get down into like the B squad. <laughs> and the B squad is deep. Oh, the B squad is deep. But that's like, I agree with you. Like the, the Van Halens, I'm going to throw Motley Crue in there too. But you can definitely talk me out of that. But the Halens, the, the Leopards, and the Roses, like those were all the, the age squads. Like the, those are the guys that set the template for the age, and that was what drove like A and R guys. Like, where's the next fucking? Sure, we, we got to make some money here. Yeah, exactly. Well, and you look at the influences, the early influences on this genre. You had ones that were pretty clear, right? The New York Dolls. Yep. Motley Crue modeled themselves after the New York Dolls, right down to the makeup. Sure. You could argue Bowie had his influence on this. Yeah. Probably more from the androgynous aspect. For sure. And and the appearance, maybe a little less than, you know, from the musical aspect. But there were some origin bands here that I'm sure we'll we'll get to in a, a little greater depth. And you can look at a lot of those bands that sort of touch on the edge of it. And we talked about Leopard just now. I'm not even going to put Guns N' Roses anywhere near this because I no. think Guns N' Roses are in a class of their own, at least in terms of a, of a hard rock band. I call them hard rock. Yeah, for sure. And then you can look at bands that slot quite definitively into the hair metal genre. And there's a feel to them. You could just feel oh, yeah. it. They're hair metal. Quiet Riot, Poison, <laughs> Autograph. <laughs> My girlfriend's boyfriend isn't me. <laughs> One of the best song titles ever. <laughs> I love it. But all of them, all of them, and you're talking about influences and, and seminal bands like this, that they all, every single one of them, Kiss, 
that's who they modeled it off. Uh-huh. They all point to Kiss as like those were the guys. Absolutely. Right? And Gene Simmons, even like Gene Simmons famously found Van Halen. He thought they were too loud. He <laughs> wanted them to change their name. But like those guys, you know, all looked over to Kiss and like that's how you make money in this business. Sure. Well, and the influence that Simmons had, notably with Van Halen and a lot of other acts, mm-hmm. that guy kickstarted more than one career. Well, yeah, he tried to, to force him into shitty deals sure. and, and, you know, to benefit himself. Or yeah, anything. he wasn't doing this because he saw an <laughs> yeah, artist yeah. that needed help. He, he did just, it because he wanted to tack a, just tack a percentage off of their makings onto his pocket. Yeah, he just didn't come up with the uh, the idea for the Kiss Coffin <laughs> or the Kiss Urinal Cake. <laughs> <laughs> but let me ask you this question now. Was grunge the asteroid that killed these dinosaurs? It is in my mind. Yeah? It is in my mind because I remember when grunge came out, I was absolutely no longer interested in this genre. Mm -hmm. The early Alice in Chains album was dancing on the edge of this metal sound, and then they came to dirt, and that was a whole different feel. But I remember listening to that thinking like, is this, because they were getting played in the same circles yep. as the hair metal bands. Yeah. Is this hair metal? Do I like this? You see him on Headbangers Ball. Headbangers Ball, which was a major front for all of this music. Well, MTV had everything, like D. Snyder said, he's like, we built that fucking channel. And he's right in a way. Like, there was a lot of rotation of those bands. After the new wave gets, you know, when the, the, the MTV gets through with the new wave, like Twisted Sister was one of the first bands on there that had videos like people sought out. Like, sure. they were funny. They were yeah. funny videos. Right. They were great, right? Well, and D. Snyder just <laughs> looks alone was funny. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. The hair metal thing was like, it was already running its course by that time. So there's a definite rise and fall to all this, right? You have your, your seminal bands in like 81 to 85, and then you can see the rise of hair metal, and there's still, you know, quality bands there. And then you see start to see the duplication of these, you sure. know, these themes and everything like that. And by that time, these fucking record companies are so fed up with these guys because it takes them two years to fucking produce an album because they can't get their shit together. They're, they're paying umpteen thousands in, in studio fees and the cocaine tax, and every time they want to do a video it's costs mega bucks for them and it takes forever to do the production the record businesses are like these guys are a pain in the fucking ass i mean let's start looking around for other guys like will drive their own shit to their show right and like oh well there's up seattle up there they're 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 guys those guys are willing (laughs) to travel they go from the cocaine era into the heroin era i mean it's an interesting choice from an investment standpoint of a record company yeah i mean you know (laughs) But I think that instead of grunge being the asteroid that killed them all, I have a different theory. Okay. It was the power ballad that killed them off. Power ballad got deep. I mean, it just, everybody had to have one. Well, that was, yeah. Everybody had to have one. They, and they, in fact, record companies were asking for it. Right. There's a couple of bands that we'll probably talk about that were told by their record companies, you've got to give us another ballad. In fact, you got to put at least one on each album. We will not press your record without a right. ballad. And that is the single that's getting released because that was the business end coming into is they watched Def Leppard write ballads and they're like, holy shit, these guys are fucking brilliant. They've just opened up half another audience right because before in the rise of this hair metal it was like the women fans were not at those shows leopard was the one that brought in a lot of women fans into their shows and like how the fuck are they doing that well they're writing ballads along softer edge rock and that's that's when the all the a&r guys are like you have to write ballads when the ballads become so ubiquitous that's when the younger group like us we're that age we're like 
starting to turn away from hair metal. It's like, fuck that. I'm not going to listen to that. That's right. That's pussy shit. I'm not listening to it. And then where do, who fills the void? The same angst and anger comes from Alice in Chains. We were just looking for we found it in Twisted Sister when we were in sixth grade. And then, you know, right around high school, right, you know, that was, that's when we found Alice in Chains. And I really think that that was it. And then finally, Nevermind comes out and it just, you know, like, this is it. This is what we're looking for. Well, and that's a, and it's a fair There's point. No ballads on Nevermind. No, that's a fair point. I think what I also thought of when I heard grunge was that the, the processed sound got pulled out of it. Yeah. You didn't have nearly that filtered, manipulated, mm-hmm. we're going to drive this through 19 effects before we actually commit it to vinyl. Right. And so you got something that was a little more real. You got something that had a little more of a genuine feel to it. Right. Yeah. And it's not like, oh, you, you have to do that because you have C.C. DeVille in your fucking band. You know, you have accomplished musicians that can actually play their fucking instruments at that point. Right. Whether he's a good guitarist or not, you'll never know because he was so jacked up on coke all the time and booze and everything like that. You'll just never know it. But even he said that in an interview I read with him, he said, he's like, I love R.E.M. He's like, but I don't think I want to be in that band. C.C. DeVille? Yeah. I mean, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. You know, I get it. Like, the, but again, I don't want to shit on these boys because they did give us a lot of, you know, I was just trying to figure out like what 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 really killed them off and I think that was market saturation well, we can agree on that. Sure. The market of saturation of all of this it really got shit. Like at oh, the end yeah. there, it was really awful. Well, and you had a lot of bands that all started to sound exactly the same. I mean, at the end of it, it was hard to tell these bands apart from Michael Bolton. <laughs> yeah. Like listen to the fucking shit that he was putting out at the same time. It's not that far off. And Michael Bolton, strangely enough, tried out. He was a hard rock guy from back in the 70s. He's, he actually auditioned for Black Sabbath when, when Ozzy left. <laughs> that would have been a different sound indeed. Fuck Yeah. <laughs> Shall we take a, 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 a commercial break from our, our sponsors? 103.1 The Blaze, WVVX. 103.5. No, man, 103.1. Was it one? I believe so. Where they used to have 103 free minutes of free beer and pizza at the Thirsty Whale. Stop by the Thirsty Whale for 103 minutes of free beer and pizza. <laughs> Sponsored by WVVX. That was a whole radio channel. The Blaze. Dedicated to hair metal. And they still have one on, on Sir, uh, Sirius, don't they? No, isn't there a hair metal station on Sirius? Oh, yeah. Hair Nation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I bet your wife likes that. <laughs> oh, yeah, she does. <laughs> she does. When I think of hair metal, I think of your bride. I married the right woman. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you say we kick this off? All right. So before we get started, here's where here's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be putting together a set list. Now you only get one song, right? We're going to we get one song from these bands, like you, right? Is that my understanding? Yeah. Okay. So like they're on stage for one song. And oh yeah. Get the hell off. Because you don't have the catalog to hold my attention for more than ten no. minutes. And sanitize the stage on your way out, please. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go any further, I have a, I have something for you. All right, so I'm going to give you I'm going to give you three venues. You get to choose the venue because we got to put this in a place. All right, right? this has got to be the venue, and it's the venue for I don't know. It's going to turn out to be like an hour and a half show. <laughs> but anyhow, think of the venue. All right, so I'm going to give you the first one. And I think I know what the answer to the first one is, but we have to because it's in our hometown, and there's a lot of shows that go there. It's where the Hawks and the Bulls play. It's at the United Center. A hundred percent no. Okay. And do you want to tell us why? Uh, the fucking acoustics are terrible. Yeah, they're really terrible. Awful. Yeah. I don't know why people spend it's money. It's like listening to a concert in a subway station. 
Well, these guys might, might belong there. <laughs> That's where they're playing now. Oh, so here's the other one. I've got two others that you can choose from. Now, we can go to one of my favorite venues in Chicago. Very small venue. We can put the show on at the Metro. Oh, I like the Metro. With this very small stage, but that's that's the thing. It's a small stage. Yeah, it holds about nine hundred people. You don't get yeah. the grand. You know, these guys had huge stage shows too. Right. So you, you're just going to get them in a stripped down version. I don't know if that's something that we want to do. But the Metro is out there as a popular. All right, show. we'll we'll keep that in the mix. So you have the uh, the floor seats, and then you have the nice balcony. You know, it's yeah. right, you know down the block from Wrigley Field. It's a nice place to go. It's really I really like that venue. And then Alpine Valley. That's kind of where I would head just because of the parking lot scene. The parking lot scene at Alpine Valley is unbelievable. Yeah. Now, you're in the middle of a farmer's field, and you got to get out of there at some point. Yeah. <laughs> and God help you if it rains, because you're stuck in the mud. However, we have seen some great concerts partying in that, in that farmer's well, field. I missed half of them that I was there. <laughs> Because somebody decided it was a good idea to drink uh, room temperature Jägermeister when it was 95 degrees out. Well, you had described it as boiling hot Jägermeister in a, in a previous episode. And it probably was boiling hot by the time by the time we got towards the bottom of the bottle. <laughs> Would you like some boiling hot Jäger? <laughs> All right, so we're going to do it at Alpine Valley. Now, Alpine Valley is a ski slope, right? Yep. And it's so the, the lawn seats, pretty much all lawn seats, and then there's there's pavilion, pavilion. seating yep. uh, underneath, closer to the stage. I'm sure there are, there are several of these venues around the country. But, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's it really stripped down. I mean, it is. It's bare bones. It's Spartan conditions. It's, it's also there. possible that I have seen one of these bands at that very venue. All right. Why don't we kick it off with you? What is your honorable mention? So I'm going to go back to the godfathers of this this genre here. And I'm going to go West Coast and East Coast. Now, they're both working bands from like the 70s on, working largely as like cover bands. And out of New Jersey, I believe they're from New Jersey, Twisted Sister dominated the East Coast. You're going to burn in hell. Until they finally, from like 76 to like 82 and 83, when they finally popped because of MTV and the videos that they made and the spectacle that they became. I mean, they were a spectacle. Dee Snyder had hair literally like four feet wide, right? Oh, that they were huge when we were, what would that be, late grade school? Yes. So so I remember them like sixth grade because I had that that album. I had the album Stay Hungry. And I remember, like, in sixth grade... Was he chewing on a giant animal bone? bone, yeah. And then the the TS and the Twisted Sister was in bone. And so I spent most of my sixth grade year perfecting that on my notebooks. Like, I got really good at it, too. But I want to hear Burn in Hell. It's so great. His voice is so awesome. Like, his voice is, like, the template for this hair metal genre. Like, it's so... It's it he, like he scrapes everything up at the bottom of the oh, pan. Yeah, yeah. It's really great. It's the fun you get after browning <laughs> yeah, meat. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's and, and listen, Dee Snyder for what he did in front of Congress when the PMRC was yeah. after everybody, what he did in Congress, looking the way he did, changed nothing about himself, and he just fucking leveled those people. That guy's a fucking boss, and I'm for I'm for whatever he does. Man. I liked seeing him doing that 
doing his shtick in front of Congress. That, oh, was, yeah. that was something with that giant crown of hair. Yeah, and he still tro- trolls idiots on Twitter. He's like, guys, you don't understand. The music is for not what you think it's for. I love it. It's so, D. Snyder, he's my guy, and I want to hear Burn in Hell, because you're going to burn in hell. I love it. And then Quiet Riot on the West Coast. Quiet Riot was a band that Randy Rhodes was a part of, and then he left, and that's when they found their popularity. That's So Kevin Dubrow is the the lead singer. He's dead now, cocaine overdose, okay. 2007. He was so hated by the band. As he got hired, they're like, I don't know if this is the guy. And they're like, No, this is the guy. I know he's kind of an asshole, but he's this is the guy. The 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 bassist got so drunk one night, he he got his gun and he was he uh, he shot his way out of the, the recording studio. Um, he was brandishing this weapon. And they, 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 he finally fired off a couple of rounds and they let him go. And he was going to drive across town. To kill Kevin Dubrow as he, was, as he was laying down tracks for their new album, and the only reason he didn't is because he got arrested, pinched for drunk driving, and they threw him at the drunk tank. <laughs> Anyhow, Quiet Riot, Mama, we're all crazy now. We're gonna start off the show with those two guys coming out. Oh my God, I love this genre. It's <laughs> so bad. His, his candy cane striped microphone stand, <laughs> and the same color and jumpsuit he's got running around there. He's like a scarecrow out there dancing around. <laughs> they had the coolest, uh, the, the one of the coolest mascots too. The guy in the, the straight jacket, the straight jacket with the, the, metal, the mask on. Yeah. The metal mm-hmm. mask. All right, my honorable mention. I'm going to. 1989, and the album and the band is Skid Row, and we're going to hear I Remember You. Fuck yeah! Sebastian Bach's got some serious range. Yeah, he's awesome. Man. He was 20 when they recorded that album. He's Canadian, by the way. I did not know that. I did not either. Uh, the band was formed in New Jersey in 1986. So these guys were a little later to the game. Apparently, the guitarist Dave Sabo was friends with John Bon Jovi. Like, they grew up together. And both of them were trying to get into the music business around the same time. And, and they made a pact that if one of them made it, they would help the other one get in. Well, Bon Jovi made it first, right? And so he, you know, helped the helped Skid Row get some exposure. I think he hooked him up with their uh, producer. They got their lift from from Bon Jovi. He apparently underwent singing-related hernia surgery. I could see that, and, and made the comment that he sang his guts out. He, it's Sebastian gave you everything. He did. 
Especially on this track. Yeah, great song. It's not their number one played song on Spotify. That's 18 in life at 200 million. Yeah. This one's 200 million. 200 million. This one's second at 140 million. Now, one of the things Spotify tells you is how many monthly listeners a band has. And so I've looked up that number for these bands just to see what kind of following they still have. Skid Row has 3 million monthly listeners. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, no wonder they're still on tour, man. There's still their audience that likes to go out and see Sebastian wheel his carcass around. I don't think he's with them anymore. No. I think no. he's split. I think he's split. I know he gets super pissed when he gets into that whole hair metal discussion. He does not like that term at all. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're <laughs> I'm getting just, hit with it. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> Expect a little smoke from Sebastian coming your way. He hits a high note at the end of I Remember You that's pretty impressive. Yeah, man, he was a good, he was talented. Yeah, he was good, man. I like him. So, did you know about the, the production of this? This is their first album, I think. Yes. Okay. So it's a good thing that we're having it at Alpine Valley uh, because all of the artists who played in Alpine Valley, this is up in, in like southern Wisconsin, uh, all the artists would, would fly in to the Playboy Club or what was the Americana or now the Grand Geneva in Lake Geneva, which is just a bus ride like 30 minutes away. And because they, they had a, uh, a private plane landing strip. There. Yeah, landing strip there. And so the hotel, that they, all those guys would stay there at the Playboy Club where, where the Americana was. And so somebody finally just said, you know what, we got all these music, musical acts in here. We're going to make a little studio here. And the studio actually was a world-class studio. They bought the board that John Lennon used to do his second album on. Anyhow, when Sebastian Bach and, and Skid Row get their deal, they cannot get them out of the Jersey bars. They're so fucked up and drunk all the time that the, the, the A&R guys were like, get them out of fucking Jersey because they can't stay away from all their friends because they got this record deal but no fucking record. So they're like, hey, we got just a thing for you. We got this studio out in the middle of fucking Wisconsin. Send them there. And that's where they sent them and they stayed at the Americana and they, they cut the album there. Nine Inch Nails cut their album there. Like, like a lot of fucking bands cut their albums there, too. A good place to isolate people. There's not a whole lot around there. No. All right, what's your number five? My number five is going back to a uh, band from Oakland. It's a band Y&T. 1982, Summertime Girls. This one I don't know. Oh, great anthemic song. Early, early hair metal. Early hair metal. Yeah, man, just a party song. I love it. I love it. I that love was that off song. of which movie? Oh, it's from Real Genius. From Real Genius. Yeah, the early Val Kilmer movie. So Nick just played a clip for me, and I do not recognize it. It's completely missed me. <laughs> completely missed me. In fact, I've never heard of the band. Where are they out of? Y&T. They're out of Oakland. Okay. Yeah. What does Y&T stand I have for? I fucking clue. <laughs> I really don't. I, I researched, too, and I just couldn't find it. I, and I, I casually researched. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> the y and I don't know what it stands did for. Did they have much more in their catalog? Yeah, yes, they did. Uh, there's, they had something like uh, 18 albums and total sales of like 7 million. There's y and heads out there. All right, that brings me to my number five. 
I gotta go with David Coverdale, and I gotta go with some White Snake. Okay. Is this love? It's possible that this was the first song that I borrowed from Napster when that when that became. <laughs> oh, a Jesus, really? That was the choice. Oh, let me see here. We got this brand new technology. I can steal any song in the world. Of course, White Snake. I have no idea why. I have no idea. And for some reason, I was like, "Ooh, let me get is this love?" Oh my God. What, what is it about this song? Is it the video? Well, you know, it does have Tanya Katane in it, who yeah. at the time was incredibly attractive. Yeah? She's not so hot anymore. Uh, dead? She's dead, yes. Yeah. Uh, she, da- <laughs> she was dating David Coverdale. She was also Tom Hanks' fiancé in Bachelor Party. Yes, great movie. Great movie. Undersold movie. Oh, Tom fantastic. Hanks fantastic. <laughs> awesome. I don't know if it was the movie, I don't know if it was the look, uh, or not the movie, the video, I don't know if it was the look. There was always a sound to this that I liked. I liked Coverdale's voice. I thought he had a perfect hair metal voice. Smooth. Very smooth. <laughs> He's a tenor. Yeah. You know, a lot of these guys are singing like falsetto soprano. He's a tenor. Yeah. So he's got just a different sound, a little more of a growl. To prove my point. Michael Bolton could have been easily switched out for this guy. Oh, I agree. Yeah, right? I agree. <laughs> and if you look at the video, and this really defines the hair metal genre in at least one aspect of it, he looks exactly like Tawny Katane. <laughs> they both have the same hair. They're both wearing the same tight clothes. Yeah, man. That was the style, though. Let's, you know, we can't... That. What do you, you, there's no accounting for taste in this, those days. No, no. I mean, cocaine really is a hell of a drug. You know, she dated O.J. Simpson? Ooh. Yeah. While he was married to Nicole Brown. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> That's chilling. So Coverdale was originally tasked with writing this song for Tina Turner, whose album What's Love Got to Do With It had just blown up like all over the world. Right. And so I think it was Geffen Records came to Coverdale and said, you know, write this song. We want to give Tina another another vehicle for launch because that song and that album did so well. They brought it back to management. Management heard it and was like, why don't you record this? And they did. Now I'm stealing it off of Napster. Uh, now I'm steeped in David Coverdale's career. <laughs> I feel like a wet bag. <laughs> All right. What do you have for number five? Uh, right, for number right. four. I'm gonna I'm gonna come the cracking down with a classic because I think the Y and T landed with a little bit of a thud with you. <laughs> so I'm gonna come with a, cra- uh, a classic. It's gonna crack right over your head. This is Rat Round and Round. <laughs>
what? It's just hair metal. I yeah, mean, it's like, fucking great. You can laugh at every one yeah. of these choices. Stephen Piercy, man. Oh it a, what a great video, too. The woman in snakeskin, like, crawling out of it. I had no idea still what it means today, but it's fucking great. And the fact that they wound up on a Geico commercial later, right? playing themselves... That's every well. It's probably every rock band's dream to get a Geico commercial or some commercial yeah, aspect man. like that. But when you're a washed-up hair metal band from the '80s, careful! Holy shit, that is money. Yeah, man. It's good to see the boys get uh, get their due at the end of their careers. There, round and round. So I cruised Rat's catalog, working on this. I heard a lot of Motley Crue. I found a lot of similarities between yeah. Rat and Crew and a lot of other bands. I mean, they, they, they all did, as you, especially as you got later and later, everything sort of fell into the into a similar vein. Right. But I did hear a lot of Crew with Rat. I think those guys modeled a lot of their stuff off of what... A lot of the, yeah, a lot of the guitar sounds the same. Oh, one more note before I forget. Did you know David Coverdale used to be in Deep Purple? Yeah, I thought I knew that. Because I'm like, he has some sort of bona fides going back to the 70s. Yeah. Whitesnake formed in 78. Jesus. <laughs> Didn't you do that still in the night? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one, too. He just howls. My number four, I'm going to Tesla, and we're going to hear Love Song. Love it. Fucking love it. (laughs) It's a great tune. Great song. The album version is really what you got to hear, not the video version. Yeah, the video version they cut down that sort of minstrel guitar at the beginning. That's my favorite. Mixed thing with like Spanish Fly. I mean, it's <laughs> I, that's my favorite thing to play. Yeah, it's great. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> I saw these guys in 1990. They opened for Motley Crue at Alpine Valley. You went to see a Motley Crue show in 1990. Get the fuck out of here! I absolutely. Just Motley Crue? No, it was it was like a stars and guitars kind of thing. Stars of guitars. <laughs> and it was it was Motley Crue. I just I had to look it up. I remember Tesla. Was it the Rock Against Drugs tour? Oh God, no. <laughs> That's the last thing those guys were doing in 1990. It was Tesla, Bonham, which was yeah, John yeah. Bonham's kid. Jason Bonham. Jason Bonham started a band. Apparently Joe Satriani, but I have absolutely no recollection of him. And I feel like we probably got there too late. Like, he might have been the opener and we right. missed it. Stuck in the parking lot. Could uh, be. At Could Alpine be. Valley. Yeah, so this was my neighbor, who we've talked about in other yeah. episodes, uh-huh. had slept out for tickets to see Motley Crue, and he got, like, 20th row center. And then he decided to join the military, and he left, and he gave me the tickets, and I had, like, six of them. And I asked all you guys who ever wanted to go... And you either said no or couldn't or something, but right. it was us and a handful of mutual friends that 
you know, we went to high school with. Yeah, it was that the, also the the show where they they had the camera in the ball that they rolled they out. Filmed on the, the they filmed the same old situation, situation. video. So while So we were my there. wife was at that same set of shows because I did that. I believe they did that a couple of nights in a row. But so she's there. It, it was a it was a key like an urban legend like or or one of those things like hey yeah I was at the show you could see me in the video no, yeah. bullshit. I looked at it. There is yeah. absolutely no <laughs> in, indication that I am at that concert. Though it is a great picture of. Like 1990. Oh, yeah. Like between the hair, the outfits, the cl- everything. It's just 1990 in a nutshell. Yeah. All right. What is your number three? I am going to go with uh, one of the last hair metal bands to form. These guys really timed this thing all too bad. I mean, they formed in like 1989. And the band is called Pretty Boy Floyd. Now, you were probably out of the scene by that time, I would assume. It's not ringing a bell. Yeah. What's the song called? And the song is called Wild Angels. If you're a fan of hair metal, you're probably going to be introduced to this song for the very first time today because I, I hang I hung on a little bit longer than most to the hair metal scene. I was uh, I was truly vested in it, you know. Uh, I was hanging around for Def Leppard to come back with uh, Adrenalize and things like that. Then Pretty Boy Floyd kind of comes across my radar, and I'm like, oh, I'll give that a crack, a listen. I like the name of the uh, the band. Wild Angels is just puts me right back in like eight, 1989. It's like right at like I was I starting a brand new high school. It's my senior year, and uh, which like, by the way, dick move on your parents' part. Listen, it is history. <laughs> I mean, they only moved five miles. I know. <laughs> You know, but it's all, it's okay, you know, because I was, you know. I've got the comfort of knowing your father's not going to be listening to this episode, so. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good. I wasn't the shyest kid in the world either, you know. Oh, man. But Pretty Boy Floyd, Wild Angel, I think I got into it and I didn't, like, escape the hair metal because I was away from my mates. You guys didn't influence me enough. Enough. It's like, what the fuck are you listening to? And I got a hold of Pretty Boy Floyd, and uh, I always love this song. It's a great song. It's a great tune. You play it for the kids, and they'll love it, too. Well, and I think the... the not just the introduction of grunge, which obviously hadn't really hit us yet in 1989, yeah. but the introduction of Guns N' Roses. I remember Guns N' Roses being just dominant in yeah. our cycled playlists, and I think that started to push some of this out, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, when you hear Mr. Brownstone, right. it's like it's hard to go back to, like, Mama's Fallen Angel. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like... Uh... All right, my number three, and this one was... A little hard for me, given some of the history here. But as I heard this, and and we talked about how we listened to the to these songs to to research for this show, mm-hmm. I happened to do this driving back from a, a business trip in Des Moines, so I had about five hours to to kill. In the <laughs> Another car. scintillating road story. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's like, and then the corn was this high. <laughs> No, this was last week. There is no corn. There's no leaves on trees. There's nothing but gray and death and that. So I'm listening to a, a Spotify playlist I've found. And when I heard this song, I was like, 
this song's got like some great variety. I really like it. And the song is Rock Me by Great White. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Great White makes the list? Great White makes the list. Okay, now, go ahead. there's a strong reason why I had a hard time putting them on this list, but let's talk about the song first. <laughs> okay. So this song checks a shit ton of boxes. All right. It's got some blues. It's got some metal. It's got, like, chill vocals. And then it's got, like, high, shrill parts. It's not a boilerplate of a song. It's especially not a metal song. And Great White is a, a metal band. I guess. For the most part, right? I mean, their big song was Once Bitten, Twice Shy, and that annoyed wow. the shit out of everybody. <laughs> oh, wow. And this is the only song of theirs that I really liked. Okay. But like I said, it's not a boilerplate. It's dynamic. It's got quiet parts, loud parts. His voice fits the, the song well. It's got a lot of upfront bass. You know, I love that. I, and it's running throughout the whole song. That's the groovy train for you. There's a little harmonica in there, but it works. It's like okay. a little subtle... You know, and then they go back to, you know, get them out of there. All you get is a is one or two blows, and you're getting off the mic. <laughs> so, this has got it all for you. Oh, yeah, it's a full this package. This like the white hen of hair metal for you. Now, these guys were a little earlier to the game than the other bands. These guys were formed in L.A. in 1977. So they they are a little more of a precursor yeah. to the to the later '80s guys. We'll give it to you because they really don't hit MTV's bloodstream until that that stupid video for once, once bitten twice, twice shy. shy. Yeah, yeah. it was moronic. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's a moronic. So the reason I I had a hard time with this was the station nightclub fire in 2003. These are the guys responsible for oh, yeah 20 years ago, 100 death and 200 injured and. It, based on it, there's actually a, a whole 48 hours episode on this, which in the rabbit hole that I got pulled into, I ended up watching most of it. Oh, <laughs> they, they were held responsible. So the nightclub owners, there's two brothers that own the club. One of them went to prison because they had foam insulation on the ceiling that they were using to absorb the sound because of noise complaints. Oh, yeah. And that foam insulation wasn't registered or wasn't certified. It was, it was just accelerant. It was an accelerant. And the tour manager also went to prison because he was he didn't have a permit for the incendiary pots they used. Oh, so he selected pots that would explode to 15 feet of height, and he let them off in a 12-foot room. That 12-foot room, the ceiling was covered with this foam insulin. The, the stories about it are horrifying. Can you imagine checking into heaven with that story? What, what, what brings you here? It's like, well, I was at a great white show. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that one kind of stung a little bit. But as I heard this song, and I'm driving through cornfields, I'm going, this, this kind of has it all. <laughs> little salve to ease the pain there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> this kind of has it all. Okay. All right. Hey, man. Music is a healer. That's right. <laughs> oh, wow. All righty then. 
that brings us to yeah. the fantasy concert lineup. All right. So, uh, do I go first? I don't care. All right. So, you see, I think you got something special. That's no, not something special, All but right, I've well, got maybe a, I oversold it. Okay, so well, I'll, then I'll go. You go. All right. So, I think well, let's just say you did it differently than I did. So, it's going to be a separate set of all ballads. Okay, so I'm just going to pick three ballads that I want to hear. All right. All right. Yeah, you've already taken one of my, my, mine away, the uh, Skid Row, I Remember You. We're hearing that song, so I've got a, I've got a replacement to go in there. Okay. Don't you worry about it. All right, so the first of the ballads that I want to hear is also at the end of like the fall, this, this band Firehouse. <laughs> you remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah, okay, so don't treat me bad. <laughs> Good tune, man. Didn't they play the Taste of Lombard? I think they did. <laughs> they could. Night Ranger did. <laughs> That's right. So did, uh, what's his face, talking about getting a DUI? Oh, yeah, Eddie Money. Eddie Money. Yeah. Rip. <laughs> and then we're going to sweep them off the stage, and these guys are hair metal. I don't give a fuck what you say. Queensryche's coming on to do Silent Lucidity. Oh. this song i love this band i don't know if i can call them hair metal we are this is a prog metal band i don't know if it's a prog hair metal band jet city woman is a hair metal song fucking love jet city it's a great song but i want to hear silent lucidity all right okay i want to give me a little strum of that (laughs) (laughs) then i'm gonna bring out a favorite of my wives it's a favorite of mine it's a favorite of everybody's really uh when the scorps decided to do winds of change Uh uh-huh whistling along I'm doing it all I love it so my brother-in-law his sister is married to a guy who's really funny. married to Klaus Mine? no no he's not married. <laughs> no but he's married to a guy with she's married to a guy with a really dry sense of humor and this guy famously in like a, a house full of people he would just cruise through the room 
and whistle that That's and right. leave. Yeah, man. <laughs> Just to drop the earworm on yeah. you. I had a, a, one of my very first jobs at the Rainbow Restaurant. I was a fucking busboy. That job lasted six hours after they made me cut 4,000 strawberries in quarters. But that's that's how I got through that time. It's a shitload of strawberries. Oh, dude, it was fucking misery. Anyhow, you guys are all podcast listeners. If you have not heard the eight-part series podcast called Winds of Change, deep dive into, let's just put it this way, the song is it or is it not paid for by the CIA? I'm just going to leave that there. Okay? It's fucking fascinating. It's fascinating. The podcast is called Wind of Change. It's awesome. So there, I want to hear those three ballads. All right. Well, you had already sort of referenced a term that I have sort of slated to use here, but I'm going to start. We're not going to go to the godfathers yet. We're going to go to the grandparents of hair metal. Okay? Okay. And we're going to start that with some Alice Cooper. Cooper started doing his shtick in the early 70s, and he never stopped. He had the makeup. He had the leather pants. Yeah. He had the sprayed hair. This was the early start of hair metal, er- ergo a grandparent. Kiss got the idea for makeup from Alice Cooper. Sure. So, because we've had such a male-centric list, at least so far, and frankly, hair metal was decidedly male. You had a few female players in there. And I don't know that I would call this a hair metal band. This is little bit of a precursor to it and their early stuff really didn't sound like hair metal to me but as they sort of graduated into that 80s sound they sort of morphed with it and i feel like they 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 helped usher it in mm-hmm. and we're talking about heart Oh, see, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Go on. No, no, no. I, I love Heart. So, Heart, if you, again, you listen to something like Barracuda, that's not hair metal. That's no. that's late 70s, mid 70s, right. you know, guitar rock. Right. And she had a great sound out of that guitar. You get into What About Love, you get into Alone, you get into some of those mid 80s songs. Fuck. <laughs> I knew this was going to come up too. That's that's ushering in that hair metal. Sound. Oh, it's right there in the middle of it. Are you kidding? Fuck! I had these songs on my list. I love those fucking oh, tunes. No. And I was like, that's not hair metal. You can't put Dreamboat Annie in there with the hair metal. Same thing with fucking Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy Osbourne was fucking hair metal in '84 and '80. Like after right. Bark at the Moon, he goes full hair. Another, no, that wasn't 1991 or 81. He had another album release in 81. Blizzard of Oz. 
<laughs> something like that. <laughs> but yeah, so and, oh, all right. Okay. We, if you've got this as a number one or a number two, no, 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 no. Because I, I okay. kicked it off the list. I'm like, I can't. That's not hair metal. But I'm glad that uh, Nancy and Annie are all going to be there because yeah. I love those fucking hair metal songs. Awesome, <laughs> right? Awesome. And then we get to the Godfathers. And we've already talked about them, and a lot of people have a lot of opinions about this band. But I got to hear a little kiss. <laughs> What's going on? I get back to the neighbor. I was a member of. (laughs) Yeah, so was I, man. I was a member of the Kiss Army. I know a lot of people listening that are our age could very well have been members of the Kiss Army. Fuck yeah. First vinyl I ever got, my mom got it for me. Yeah. Was Rock and Roll Over. My first album was Kiss Double Platinum Live. That's not my first Kiss album. First album ever. Me too. Yeah. My first vinyl was Rock and Roll Over. Double Platinum Live. Now, she didn't know that they were going to come out to, you know, let's put the X in sex. (laughs) (laughs) But my favorite album of theirs was Destroyer. Destroyer is fucking awesome. Unfucking real. I have that poster in my classroom. (laughs) Really? Yeah. It's fucking great. And uh, all because all these kids they wear they wear uh, band shirts now, like. Retro like, retro band shirts. Yeah, or? this kid's got like a, a "Wish You Were Here" a hoodie on, and I'm like, "Do you know? Do you know what the album that is from?" And they have a fucking no idea who Pink Floyd is. So, I, it's my job to educate these people. Well, so there you I go. Fucking educate. Yeah. So the Destroyer one and what po- the poster with the, the picture with they're all there dressed in uh, three piece suits, but they all have their makeup on. <laughs> fucking great poster. <laughs> I'd be curious to see Kiss. I don't know if I want to drop a ton of money on it. It feels like one of those bands that you could be like, I bet this would be kind of fun. I saw them. Oh, you did? Yes. So they're playing a double bill with Leopard. Leopard thankfully went on first. Okay. And so I saw them. And when I say I saw them, I saw them as I'm walking out. You didn't even <laughs> give them a chance? Uh, well, no. I, I told my wife, I said, like, I do have to see, you know, what they come out to and their stage and everything like that. And I do want to see it. And I did, and I, I felt the heat of all the flames, the flames coming yeah. my way and the big, you know, on-fire kiss thing. Because, you know, again, I am a Kiss Army member, like way going way sure. back to like 78. Before I started collecting baseball cards, I collected kiss cards <laughs> in the baseball pack form. This fucker sold everything. Oh, yeah. I had the kiss dolls. I had them all. Like, I'm, I'm my fa- who's your favorite? It's got to be Gene. Ace Fraley. Freely's Comet. I love His solo this. work. Yep. Starman. No, that that was Paul <laughs> no, Stanley. That was Paul Stanley. No, yeah, Paul Stanley. No, uh, was he? Peter Chris was the cat. No, yeah, the cat was so stupid. <laughs> uh, no, Fraley with the silver because that was my favorite. I loved him. He called himself. Anyhow, uh, no Spaceman idea. or something like that. Yeah, I saw him on the way out. They played like you know, I want to rock and roll all night, and I'm like, okay, I, I heard it, I got it, understand. Yeah, and a lot of those songs. Gene's dibbled ass twinking at me as I go by him. Like, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. 60-year-old ass hanging out of buttless chaps. <laughs> thanks, thanks for the show, Gene. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Paul's boots duct taped to his feet. <laughs> like he's just bopping around like a Clydesdale. <laughs> yeah, a lot of those songs you hear and you're like, ugh, oh my God, I've heard this ad nauseum. I, I will say this. I, I was happy to see them in their makeup. 
Yeah. Because when they took the makeup Yeah, off, you were like, oh. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So, <laughs> and that's when Dee Snyder said something funny. He's like, the reason why we were so popular and we made MTV is because we looked great. We looked great. And he says here, there's a reason that Joe Jackson's shoes are the only thing you see on the album. <laughs> Get a look at Joe. <laughs> His pointy white shoes. Good point, D. I love that guy. All right, right, Kiss. What do you want to hear? What's your favorite? Detroit Rock City. Yeah, good tune. God of Thunder. God of Thunder is good. Love God of Thunder. You don't want to chill to a little Beth? I like Beth. Beth is good. Listen, tells a story. Yeah, it's good. (laughs) Peter Chris comes out from Bandicoot. All right, what does your number two look like? All right, so let me see. I always love this guy's solo stuff. I loved it when he was with, with Montrose. We're going Red Rocker, Sammy Hagar. Your love is driving me crazy. artist i wouldn't call a hairband i think you could argue that it falls into that genre but uh-huh. i don't know maybe it's because of his tie with van halen i never really thought of him as hair metal okay well, i mean listen it, it, it meets the it meets the requirements yeah i mean listen to that song specifically like oh that's an early it's early hair metal it's, yeah it's early oh, yeah. like it's like oh it's great it's got good. the keys following yeah. the you yeah. know the following the chorus <laughs> yeah man yeah exactly Fuck off. It's going on. It's great. I'm bringing the Red Rocker on it. By the way, if Van Halen ever went hair, it was with Sam. Yeah. But Dave kind of said... 84 was probably a little early for that to kind of fall under a hair sound. Yeah. You could argue some of it did, but I don't know. I like it. Of his solo career, I think that's my favorite song. I'm not going three-lock box. (laughs) You don't want Rock Candy from Montrose? (laughs) No, no. That's a little too early. No, that's right in the pocket, baby. That's right in the early pocket. All right. <laughs> All right. For number two, I'm going with a staple here. We're going with Dr. Feelgood. All right. It had to make a showing somewhere. Remember listening to this shit? This yeah. this whole album? Oh yeah. Like you and I specifically. Yeah. Like this is how we like kept time to like how how fucked up we need to get by like the third song, we better be four or five beers deep. Because we gotta shit we gotta right. get home. <laughs> right. I got a curfew damn yeah, it. Right, we gotta be home by eleven thirty. <laughs> shit, I gotta sober up in two hours. Like I remember like when you hear like the kickstart my heart, like you better be like on the down slope. That's slope, right, right? That's right. But I love Dr. Field. Selling sugar to the sweet people on the street. <laughs> Call this Jimmy's Town. 
Vince, Vince Neil's voice fits this genre to a T. Yeah. It really does. Yeah, he's 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 a king. Kind of comes back to Life in the Fast Lane by the Eagles. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're singing about the same doctor, and yeah. all he takes is cash. <laughs> right. <laughs> What's old is new again. <laughs> Nikki Six said to Rolling Stone, in the end, it was inspired by drug dealers. Is there ever just one? A good drug addict always has more than one dealer. Got to. <laughs> Six knew his shit. Especially, Especially about heroin. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> the whole drive of this song I found fun. It, when I clicked it on this week, I was like, oh, yeah, it's just got that that opening drive. Dung, da, dung, 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 dung. It just, I don't know. It worked for me. I love it. It worked for me. It's fucking great. All right, what is your number one? All right, well, I mean, at the risk of it not being named, I thought you were going to be all over this one. But uh, listen, I got to get it on the set. I got to get these boys from Slaughter out here to do Fly to the Angels. Oh my God! I had them on the list. Yeah. That's your number one. Yeah, absolutely. I love this song, man. I love this song. It's so great. It starts off real slow. You have no idea you're going to get your ass kicked, (laughs) right? By the drums when he finally comes in with the first, you know, the uh, the first chorus and those drums kick in. Ah, so great. His voice is perfect. It's like grating. Yeah, man. Raspy. These guys, when you said earlier, I'm going to name a band that, you know, just kind of caught the very tail end of this genre in terms of success, I was certain you were going to say Slaughter. Yeah. Because I think these guys launched that album in, like, 90? And that was that first album? Might have been 89, somewhere in that neighborhood? I remember liking the album cover a lot. (laughs) Yeah, stick it to you. No, not the name, just the woman on the front. No, I know, but I mean, like, it's all its all part of that whole, sure. you know, very... Misogynist you know, yeah, genre. Yeah, fucking guys. No wonder that the, the recording companies are fucking done with these guys. Like, it's, like they're just waiting. The, the, the next, uh, you know, civil lawsuit is around the corner. Yeah, there was a couple other songs off that album. I don't remember any of um, those. Like, and now I'm blanking on them, yeah. but, yeah, I, I like that song. Yeah. All right, that brings me to my number one, and I'm going with Ozzy. And it's no more tears. <laughs> I'd love this tune. song about a stalker who torments women in the red light district <laughs> very jack the ripper really that's what song fact said and then i looked at the lyrics and i'm like oh wow wow it's a little darker than i thought jeez 
once again, starts off with a nice little bass. I like that. And then the, the keys and the guitar kind of come in, and then they drop off again. They go back to the doom, doom, doodle, doom, doom, you know, the, the bass line. Yeah. You know who wrote that bass riff? I don't know. Mike Inez. No shit. Yeah. Really? Mike Inez from Alice in Chains. Oh, wow. He was apparently with them for... I'm not sure how long. It wasn't real clear exactly how long he was with them for, but he had written this riff. The song was recorded by a different bass player, but Inez is in the video, and he toured with them, apparently, on this album. I love the chunky guitars. Yes. Yeah. It's awesome, man. There's a, there's a decent guitar solo that ends by dropping right back into that bass riff. Yeah. Like, it's just kind of that recurring theme. They really built it over Inez's it bass really, riff. It's, it's an outlier for this genre because it's a really well-constructed song. Mm-hmm. It just always makes sense. Yeah. You, know, you take a Poison song, you just pull that apart, and it's like, this is this is garbage. A fucking high schooler could put this together. That's a good constructed song. Yeah, and it's this is another song that kind of ticks that box of not being a boilerplate song. It's yeah. not terribly predictable. A lot of the other songs that you heard from the genre, you could it's like metal's version of country. Like you can predict where the song's going right. to go, right, right, if, right. even if you've never heard it before. Spotify gives Ozzy eight million monthly listeners. I see that. I thought so too. Yeah. I thought that that felt you know between the Sabbath catalog. stuff. Yeah, yeah. And and this is really just Ozzy. It's not Sabbath, but I think Crazy Train alone. He pulled a lot of people. Oh, right. I mean, it's at every fucking sporting event and whatnot. This is his third most listened to song at 101 million. Crazy Train is 500 million. I like this album, Mama, I'm Coming Home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He hangs out with the right people. You know, he hangs out with the right musicians. Like, Zach Wilde is a great guitarist. He knows how to, to write a, a riff and... and Put a song together. Yeah, good. you mentioned Randy Rhodes earlier. Mm-hmm. Do you hear? See how he died? Plane crash. Yeah, it was. <laughs> was he flying the plane? Well, it was him and somebody else from the crew who apparently knew how to fly a plane, and they were fucking around in the middle of the night trying to buzz the tour bus. Oh, tipped dear. a wing a little deep. Oh no! Clipped the top of the tour bus. Slipped <laughs> into a tree and. Landed in a garage or something like that and immediately incinerated everybody on board. He was really... He was good. He was good. I remember when they did that tribute concert, you saw a bunch of people running around high school with the Randy Rhodes tribute, where it's Ozzy holding him like... He's sort of on Ozzy's shoulder, and, and Rhodes has the guitar up in the air. Yeah, man. Yeah. Polka dot guitar. Actually, the polka dot guitar, that's why Quiet Riot took its like colors, schemes from Rhodes' guitar as a tribute to them. All right, before we move into our most hated section, I thought I would give my wife a shout-out. Her very favorite song, well, at least from this genre. I wouldn't say it's her favorite song overall, but she loves it, and you've seen her watch it live. And that is Sister Christian by Night by Night Ranger. Yeah, man. The song was actually written by the drummer who also sang it, 
and he wrote it about his little sister, Christy, and called it Sister Christy. But when he was playing it for the band, they thought he was saying Christian, so he kept it. And the line, what's your price for flight, is him asking her, essentially, what's the cost of a bad decision? I guess she was an adolescent. And nothing was going on. It wasn't like she was causing trouble, or at least not that I could find. And apparently he's doing fine today. <laughs> like, it was just it was just a coming-of-age song that he wrote about her. Yeah, I remember this song. It was fucking a gigantic song. Huge. Huge. Right? Sixth grade for us. And they wanted that song, Night Ranger wanted that song to be a B-side song. They wanted one of the other big ones that they had off that same album, which I'm not recalling at the moment. They wanted that song to be uh, the big song while Sister Christian was in the background. Right. And the record company went, no, no, this is gold. This is we're, the hit. We're, we're, the, we're pushing this one. It's the ballad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, those guys, multiple comments out there from those guys saying, you know, you, you hear about bands complaining about the songs that broke them big, like Creep by Radiohead. They right. never play it anymore. Sister Christian is a song that Night Ranger really likes, and they really embrace it. So. Yeah. Cool. And the drummer gets to sing. That's right. Right? That's right. <laughs> well, my wife had her input, too, and uh, her input was a lot of her songs that she'd listened for us got repeated here, so she, like, you know, has the same taste as us. I don't know if that should matter or should shock us. Uh, but one here that I remember that it's really an awesome song is from Steelheart, I'll Never Let You Go. Fucking great song. Love it. Love it. guy gets up there man holy shit yeah she wanted to let us know that she did all of this off the top of her head with no research she listed off like 10 different songs that were all listed by (laughs) us like she knows her shit (laughs) all right so we've we've talked about the things that we appreciate Mm -hmm. what's the shit you hate the most i mean i cannot support winger I can't. I'm sorry. I can't support her. What? She's song. only 17? Yeah, you want to get with a, with an underage girl. Right? We'll move past that a little bit. Can't do it. Cinderella? Don't know what you got? probably throw a few other Cinderella songs on there. I thought Cinderella sounded very much along that line of you've been steeped in it now. Like we, We're not doing anything original anymore. Yeah. We're just sort of putting albums out. I like Cinderella. <laughs> <laughs> I like that song. I like his voice. 
It's like somebody is strangling him. It, he's he's like, got he's a like weird sound to him. Yeah, where he's constipated. Like yeah, he's yeah. trying to get it out. <laughs> he's passing, yeah. a, passing a kidney yeah. stone. It's great. <laughs> it's, it's good sound for them. <laughs> and they all had warlock guitars. Yes. <laughs> You know, ugly fucking guitars. I know. It's not. I don't not understand why people pick those. They that just, or the flying. The v. flying V. Yeah, yeah. No, it's hard to play. <laughs> Stabbing yourself in the leg with right. it all the time. Also, in the lines of most hated, I have Poison's entire fucking catalog. The whole thing. The whole thing. And you know what? They might have the most hair metal DNA, and maybe that's why. I can't fucking stand it. This was a poser band with poser fans. Yeah. And I'm sorry if you fall into that. Okay. This band was bullshit. Yeah. I couldn't stand this band then. I couldn't listen to them now as I'm cruising down Iowa highways. The next song come up to be poison. And be like no, and then the next one no. no. Yeah, it's uh, and uh, like Brett Michaels now is like you know found himself again. Like he's all you know very. He looks back on his career with like you know oh you know we uh, we were trying to be very respectful. We're, no, you weren't. No, I've seen your fucking interviews yes. all the time. You, Ricky Rackman, all your fucking CC. Guys, exactly what you advertise yourselves to be. Yes, you're just misogynistic, and you just used. I mean, the, the, the whole fucking genre did. This is really why it was kind of like, I'm, I'm glad to get out of this pool. Yes, because these guys were really, they were exactly who they were. Yeah, like they were just gross guys. And you know that was kind of the thing that was kind of you know uh, refreshing about the new kind of music coming in with grunge. Their complaint is like, oh, what happened to like just singing around a good time and just having a good time and everything? Because it was a good time for you guys, sure. but the women that you kept underneath the stage and everything like that is like that's not a good time for them. And he's like, well, you know, it, it, well then the, the, the whole thing is like, well, grunge all you talked about is like you know human feelings. And it's like, yeah, empathy, you know. And they made a little space for the women too, so it's like feminism actually had had some some, some room ground, to grow, some room to grow, and <laughs> yeah. some traction there, rather than just you know being playthings for you. So this this whole cesspool of like hair metal, that's kind of what I walked away with. Is like, ugh, yeah, okay, the songs are fine. I'm going to move on with my life. That's right. All right, what are your coolest four seconds? <laughs> that was a little heavy. <laughs> I loved in the middle of silent lucidity mm-hmm. on the breakdown. And then there's this woman's voice that says, help me. When she like kind of breathlessly says, help me. back into the song yeah that, that's the best part of that fucking song Jeff Tate's got a killer voice it's awesome killer voice I have the scream on the intro to Metal Health by Quiet yeah. Riot <laughs> you have that written down man It's so awesome. And I bet you that's one take for him. It's pure metal. All right. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's pure metal. <laughs> it's great. 
And you know he grabbed his own nuts when he did it. <laughs> That's awesome. I like the just the rhythm and the almost machine gun blast of Shout at the Devil. I have the intro to Shout at the Devil as one of my coolest four seconds. Yeah, like, yeah, with just the big... A... <laughs> <laughs> right? I love it. And when you look at that album cover, it's like, those guys, they looked like women. Oh, yeah. But they were, like, badasses. Like, it was weird. It was a weird thing to, like, kind of, yes. like, look at, and they're like, wow, you look kind of like women, like, almost hot like women, but, like, you also look like you kick some ass, too. I just, I don't know. <laughs> Not the Molly Crew is an ass kicker. You mentioned the uh, Nicole's choice of Never Let You Go by Steelheart. Mm-hmm. One of my coolest four seconds. The final note that he puts out there. makes boston's brad delp look yeah. like nothing i mean he kills it i mean and, he, and it just ramps up like on like a reverse ski jump i was like yeah. holy yeah. shit it's nuts by the way i was going through this and boston did flop on these lists every now and again how the fuck did i miss we're ready from boston i love that fucking third stage I know. That's probably why. I didn't look at third stage all that much. I saw Amanda. I'm like, I'm out. It's a great song. Oh, we're ready. So good. (laughs) I think we're going to have to drop a little bit of that in here. Yeah, man. Uh, are we doing what we hate or what we we like? We already did what we hate. Oh, we did? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, then I got to throw hate um, to the down boys from Warren. I mean, just a jive-ass turkey song. You know, all that shit from Warrant was garbage. Yeah, it was. Uncle Tom's Cabin. I, I don't know. I, I, I hate that. She's My Cherry Pie. Yeah, right? I mean, it's just... Talk about vapid. <laughs> it falls into that same realm as... Poison, like it was, we had already kind of explored where we wanted to go with this genre. Right. And we've reached the outer limits. So now you're not doing anything different. You're just sort of following suit. Yeah, Poison and Warrant were the greatest offenders. Yeah, I agree. Well, that brings about the question, the Sisters of Mercy. 
do you want more? You know, the only parts that I'll take more of are the earlier parts of this metal. Because, you know, there were some like bands that I almost kind of forgot about or just the songs that I forgot about that were like really early in my formative years. But yeah, no, I'm I'm good. I'm good for the on the whole. I'm good. I think so too. This concert you know, will do it. This thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> this yeah, concert right. will do it for me. This thing ran its course. Mm-hmm. Tickets are going to be cheap, though. I mean, oh, these yeah. guys are all looking for dough. I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, they probably do yard work for cheap. <laughs> Cars question: Did they move music forward? You know, that's a really interesting kind of take on this. No, they were no. Uh, they were in their own snow globe. Yes, you know, and they rode the coattails of the of the predecessors and really did nothing but enrich the the record companies and themselves. But you don't really see any takeaways right. in modern music that at least I can think of. And granted, I'm 50; I'm not looking for this kind of music necessarily. But today. there's not, you know, they didn't fling anybody forward. Who who they rode, like you said, they rode the coattails of places like ACDC and, and and Aerosmith, and those guys actually flung people forward even while they were doing like Permanent Vacation and and uh, you know when ACDC was doing like Who Made Who and stuff right. like that during this whole time period. They were the ones that keep, like I said, like the Appetite and the Hysteria. Those albums, those guys were like rocket fuel, and it just kind of, kind of. These guys are like remora around the, you know, the shark's mouth, right? And they were they they existed in their own snow globe, and you know, they had a very short life, like sea monkeys, <laughs> short life cycle, and then they die, and then they they give all these these weepy, uh, you know, interviews ten years later. It's like, well, you know, you know, grunge gonna blow us off the stage. Yeah, it was time. Yeah, MVP here. I'm giving it to Androgyny. Hairspray, yeah. makeup, spandex. Yeah. You didn't know what you were looking at, and it blended everything together. Right. Well, they had no money at the beginning, and all their, you know, their their groupies and their hangers on is kind of like, well, you need, you know, you need a look, and so like, let's whatever's in my purse is what what you get. Right. Like hairspray and mascara and rouge, and there you go. You got that look. Sure. Yeah, it was a lot of that, and and, and undoubtedly, you know, this also, you know, the the whole snow globe theme coming back. It's like it's all cocaine. Sure, sure. It's all cheap drugs, yeah. cheap liquor, cheap everything. It's, it's a very cheap form of music that we're talking oh, about here, you know? Yeah, it's lowbrow. It doesn't take much to stand out. No. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to us. This is going to be our 27th episode, yeah. I believe. Yeah, going into our third year. Third year. This little COVID project continues to have legs. Listen to the Eagles episode. You guys really propped Fleetwood Mac and Metallica up. Eagles lagging a little bit. Give it some love. <laughs> You're out here hawking your wares. That's right. <laughs> well, it is the holidays, and uh, you know we normally close with late night bullfight, but I believe Nick has a suggestion here. I've got something for you guys that he wants us to hear. Happy holidays, everybody. Mm-hmm.